Hey everyone, welcome to Fueled Thoughts. My name is Sandy Enner, and we are going to talk about what is on our marine fueled mind today. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, yesterday, I attended the Trade Winds Green Seas Fuel Forum in New York, uh, and it was actually a really fantastic day. The event was held in the historic model room at the New York Yacht Club. And if you haven't been to that room, it's fantastic. It's You're surrounded by hundreds of models of 12-meter sailing yachts uh, and some heavy hitters in shipping and energy development uh, weighed in on all the pros and cons of all types of future fuels, including biofuels, LNG, methanol, ammonia, fuel cells, batteries, nuclear, and wind. The one-day session featured first movers in the low-carbon space, with panelists broadly calling for the IMO to get it right when they meet this summer at their 80th session of the Marine and Environment Protection Committee, more commonly known as MEPC-80. In addition to well-stocked panels, the agenda also featured one-on-one interviews with the likes of Hamish Norton, the president of Starbolt Carriers, who is still bullish on open-loop scrubbers and wary of the perils of ammonia as marine fuel, and American Bureau of Shipping, ABS chief operating officer, who discussed ABS's collaboration with engine OEMs and ship owners on a range of future fuels. The panel included first movers like Crowley, Carnival, Cargill, Valet, and Waterfront, all who brought their their individual insight into their decisions on fuel choice, and it shed a light on the plight of CII and the post-pandemic cruise industry. The afternoon panel shifted a little bit and focused more on paying for and subsequently developing green fuel technology. What I took away from the panel focused on the hunt for capital is that the money is generally there, but full decarbonization of the shipping sector will not be achieved without regulatory incentives. Additionally, we as the maritime sector will need to compete for future fuel investments with other sectors like aviation. In short, the entire supply chain will need to be involved. The last panel of the day focused on technology and fuel development, and the key takeaway for me from that panel is that there is not going to be one single solution in achieving net zero. It's going to require a layered approach of renewable fuels, carbon capture, and general shipping efficiencies, i.e. burning less of whatever your fuel type is. It's It's also likely safe to assume that whatever we know now or think we know now, will significantly change and develop as we sail towards and beyond 2030. Since starting Transparency Fuels five years ago, my intention has always been to be exactly that, transparent when it comes to fuel and energy procurement. As a player in the conventional bunkering space, I think my key takeaways from the entire day spent at the New York Yacht Club were, number one, LNG is still leading the way. Methanol is garnering favor, but neither fuel will have abundant supply of their greener sibling anytime soon. Number two, long-term contracts remain the best, best path to guaranteed fuel procurement for alternative fuels at this time. Number three, emissions trading systems and green corridors need to be developed mutually, and that does not appear to be the case at this point in time. Number three, cargo owners are going to be the holders of the keys when it comes to additionally driving change. And five, 
there's a lot riding on what happens in London this coming July, with the hopes being on the development of a global approach in order to prevent fragmented trading markets. So as this develops, uh, Transparency and TC Green will continue to work with owners, technology developers, class, and suppliers to accurately understand the path to what the real future fuel supply and delivery will look like. Let us know how we can help you. And until next time, be a good person and pay your bunker bills. 